Hey everyone, and welcome back to Movie Theater Mom, a podcast where it's all about movie commentaries here. Today, we are going to be talking about our final movie in this franchise, Harry Potter, Deathly Hallows, Part 2. I remember I worked this movie, I got an amazing poster for this movie that I snuck from work because we had a shit ton of extra and they weren't going to miss them, and now I can't find it. It's a very sad time in my life because I'm sure... That poster would be worth a lot of money now because it was an original from a movie theater. But who knows, it probably was only worth 10 bucks. What do I know? But I remember when we went to go see this movie, a group of my friends went to go. It was like 20 of us. And the girl that I sat beside had never seen any of these movies, read any of these books, nothing. So she was completely in the dark about every single thing that was going on. But I will give it to her. She was a trooper. She didn't even ask questions until the movie was completely over. And it was every question under the sun, as you can imagine. But enough of my rambling about past memories. Let's get into this movie. Okay, so normally I talk about the stars of our movie. There's really no one new. I mean, there is, but not enough for me to tell you who plays them and all that good jazz so we're just gonna get right into the movie because you already know how I feel about this soundtrack it's just awesome and it's beautiful so I don't really need to go in any deeper with it so we finally get to Hogwarts in this movie it takes to part two of this movie but we finally make it to Hogwarts and we see Snape doing his professor things actually he's headmaster sorry not doing his professor things, doing his headmaster things. So he's looking over the students and they're, you know, single file. So you can obviously tell that something's up. It's not as carefree as it was when Dumbledore was headmaster. So already red flags. But then after that little snippet, we make it back to the beach where we see Harry at Dobby's grave. And we find out that the beach house, I thought it was Bill and Fleur's beach house. I was incorrect. It is the Order's beach house. It used to be Um, the Weasley's aunt's house, but now the order uses it as a safe house. So I was incorrect and I want to correct myself. Um, but this is when Harry, Hermione and Ron go and talk to the goblin who who is from Gringotts. And they also talk to Mr. Ollivander. So from the goblin, they figure out that why Bellatrix was so pissed that the sword was missing from her vault is because she has a fake sword in her vault at Gringotts. So she thought that that was the real one and that they had stolen it from them and they also find out that Snape was the one that put the fake sword in there I guess to deter her away from thinking that they had the real one so they kind of feel like Snape's on their side but not really because they're still pretty bitter about the fact that he you know killed Dumbledore but I don't know maybe he's turning leaf we'll see then we talk to Mr. Ollivander because he, they want to ask him about the wands that they stole. We find out that they have Bellatrix's wand and Draco's wand. And Harry ends up using Draco's wand, I guess. And Mr. Ollivander then tries to tell them that the Elder Wand doesn't exist. And Harry's like, no, I already know that it exists. You know that it exists. You're lying. And then he tells them that it's the most powerful wand in the world and that if... Voldemort has it and he's coming after Harry then he's already dead so Harry's like well better find him before he can kill me then so we are exerting a lot of confidence in ourselves which I guess you kind of have to if a murdering psychopath is after you because what else can you do (laughs) Harry also asked the goblin if he can get them into Gringotts because he is convinced that there is a horcrux in Bellatrix's vault and so they need to get there in order to check it out so they can't go obviously because they're wanted 
But Hermione remembers that she saw hair fall on her clothes whenever they were at the Malfoys. And they're like, are you sure it's hers? She's like, I'm absolutely positive. So they use Apologies Potion and Hermione becomes Bellatrix. And it's very strange and hats off to Helena Baum Carter and Emma Watson because this scene is just, it's perfect. It's so awkward that it's great. (laughs) And I've got nothing but great things to say about it, especially when they go to Diagon Alley to go to Gringotts and this guy passes her and she goes good morning and he's like what because Bellatrix is strange not a person that says good morning and she should know that honestly Hermione you're the brightest one and you should know that Bellatrix is strange is not a morning person I am with Bellatrix on that actually I'm not a morning person either but that doesn't mean I go around killing people and acting crazy but whatever but anyways I'm kind of getting ahead of myself so she is Bellatrix and Ron is disguised as like a bodyguard I guess it never really says who his name is and then the goblin and Harry are underneath the invisibility cloak so that they can all get into the bank undetected well it sort of works and it sort of doesn't like the head goblin over Gringotts is kind of like "Mm, this really isn't Bellatrix I'm not really 100% sure I should let her in this vault and then they put a spell on him the imperious curse basically they're in control of him so they make him take them to the vault which is they ride on this which i think would be a really cool ride at universal i don't know if it is i've never been to universal but they go in on this like i don't even know how to describe it it's like a little like bike cart thing they all sit on it and they all like go down this winding little hill and they end up actually going under this waterfall type thing which completely makes the curses go away makes their apologies potion go away everything so now they're kind of in a sticky situation because they don't have a way to get out of there because the little cart that they rode signaled an alarm and then went back to the bank so they are sitting ducks in a vault that is guarded by a dragon that's what i'm getting to next this big ass white dragon and they have to curse the head goblin again in order to get into this vault and when they get into the vault it's filled with gold it's filled with all this stuff well harry senses another horcrux and it's this little goblet little cup nothing really special about it they don't really dive into why it's in that cup and they realize that anytime you touch anything in bellatrix's vault it multiplies so then they're in this massive amount of gold that is multiplying and suffocating them basically all to get to the tippy top of her vault where this goblet is they make it out how i it's an amazement to me but the goblin ends up getting the goblet man that is hard to say the goblin's getting the goblet (laughs) and he almost takes it and then harry's like we had a deal because they had a deal that if he got him into the vault that they would give him the sword of Gryffindor. He's like, okay, I'll give you the cup for the sword and leaves them in the vault also with this dragon in no way to defend themselves. But Hermione being Hermione figures out a way that they're just going to ride this dragon out of there. Because why not? It's there. And it's not a terrible plan except for the fact that the dragon's so beaten and bruised that it has a difficulty you know getting up and, and flying and going well they bust up through that bank and <laughs> also just make a complete mess of london diagon alley everything destroy roofs 
all that good jazz. But the dragon does its its due diligence and gets them where they need to go. They drop in this lake, and then all of a sudden they end up back in like it's not even in the woods. They just end up kind of on this like little island thing. But before they figure out their next move, Harry let Voldemort in his head again, and he finds out that he's scared. He's mad. He's scared because he has figured out that they're hunting Horcruxes and that they're destroying them one by one. And it's weakening him, but also making him strong because he's fighting for his, what's left of his life. And he also finds out that one of the Horcruxes is at Hogwarts. So that is our next destination. We're going to try and sneak into Hogwarts, but remember we're all wanted. We can't just go to Hogwarts. It's not a plausible thing. So they decide to go to Hogsmeade to go through the tunnels that are hidden underneath Hogwarts. Well, when they immediately get to Hogsmeade and an alert goes off, alerting everybody in the town that Harry and everybody else that's with him is there. And then all of a sudden he hears a voice and he says, Potter, come this way. So they follow this strange voice. I wouldn't. If I'm wanted and I hear my name being called, I'm not going to go to it. I d- see ya, even if you're trying to help me. Like, I- I'm good. Thanks. But no, they run into this building, this little pub area. And when they get in there, they're like, he looked really familiar. Kind of looks like Dumbledore. Well, there's a reason behind that. We meet Aberforth, which is Dumbledore's brother. He is a bit bitter. <laughs> that is the best way to describe this man. He's a very bitter man. But we also find out that he has the mirror that Harry has a shard to that he's been looking into and asking for help. He's the one that sent Dobby and he's been helping them along the way. I'm going to zip back. I'm sorry. I'm going to ramble a lot through this because this movie, I forgot, is so fast paced that you just, you blink and you miss stuff. And I kind of wish that the first one was like this because I feel like we just, we were moving and grooving this whole time. Like it doesn't even feel like it's a two hour movie because you're just so zoned into everything that's going on. But anyways, I'm going to go back for a second. When Harry saw the, it's not a vision. When he let Voldemort in his head, we also see that Voldemort was back at the Malfoys and he has murdered a shit ton of people. One of them being the goblin who had the sword and then you see the sword disappear. So the sword is still a player in the game, which is a good thing. But back to meeting Aberforth, the bitter brother. He does help them. He tells there's a portrait of this young girl and he tells them to go and that she knows what to do. We find out that the girl in the portrait is Ariana, which is their younger sister. And you don't, and I forget the story, and he doesn't really go into detail about it, but he says that his brother sacrificed a lot. One of them, it kind of makes you think that he kind of sacrificed her life in order to gain power. But, and I, I cannot remember the story, and I am so sorry. And I don't even know if they'd gone into it in the book. I really can't remember. But... I mean, he kind of has a reason to be bitter, but he doesn't even want to get into this fight of anything. But Hermione says, if he's been looking in that mirror and he's been sending us help, that's not somebody that's given up. And I agree. So when she comes back, the Ariana in the portrait, you see that someone's with her. You get kind of nervous because you don't know who it is. Well, lovely Mr. Neville Logbottom comes through that portrait and he's looking rough. Not going to lie battered and bruised and he does not look well we find out that they're 
basically huddled up in this one room because Snape's it's it's just anarchy like there's you get punished if you don't want to perform like cruciatus curses on first years and it's just a hot mess express at Hogwarts and when they get to Hogwarts all of them Neville brings them back through the tunnels and everything like that they're like oh what's the plan and they're like we don't have one they're like but we need to find this Horcrux they're like okay what is it and he goes I don't know he's like well do you know where it is I don't know that either I'm like we are we are betting a thousand here but he says that the new Horcrux has something to do with Ravenclaw and of course Luna knows what it is she said oh it's probably the lost diadem Uh, who wouldn't have thought of that and Cho chimes in she goes well that's the whole thing it's lost like nobody knows where it is and they're like what's even a diadem and it it does look exactly like what she said I mean it's literally like a little tiara it's exactly what it looks like really pretty if it wasn't a horcrux with part of Voldemort's soul in it super pretty but when Harry shows back up Neville tells this one kid and I can't remember what his name is sorry that they need to go tell Lupin and everybody that he's here so we get a message out to the order that Harry's back well then Jenny pops in and she says that Snape knows that Harry is at school which this is not shocking he has spies everywhere probably in that building letting him know what is going on because he obviously knows that someone is planning a coup behind his back why wouldn't they and so they form a plan kind of but he wants all of the students Snape does wants all the students to come to the great hall to basically have a little discussion so they have this discussion and he basically wants them to give Harry up and or if they know where he is or know his plan to let him know well Harry busts up in there and he's like oh I'm right here basically like boo bitch is basically what the energy that was given off in that scene and then all of a sudden the order shows up everybody's here McGonagall shows out and battles Snape kind of and basically scares him off honestly and I would just like to say Maggie Smith is a true trooper because if I remember correctly she had like breast cancer and was going through chemo and everything while she was filming this movie so that lady is a true champ she's the bomb so even though that McGonagall stood up to Snape and Snape left Hogwarts we then get a message from Voldemort himself and he just says he wants Harry that's all he wants and he'll let everybody live now we all know that that's not true because he's crazy he wants everybody to die I feel like except for pure bloods like he even says it later on the movie he goes all this magic being you know being killed is is not right and it shouldn't be happening all he wants is Harry and that's the whole goal he just wants Harry and of course Slytherin's like well what are you doing let's grab him let's let's take him and McGonagall's like mm, okay well y'all can go and stay in the dungeon so then they're like we're gonna battle this out we are gonna protect this school and give Harry as much time as he needs to do what he needs to do so in order to do that she does this really cool little spell and all of the stone like statues of the guards start popping off the walls and they go and create like a barrier like a guard barrier around the school it's pretty badass it's awesome and then they also create like this shield barrier with spells obviously to protect them from anything that they cast over their head 
they're just preparing. They're buckling down for war and it's it's about to go down. And I will say, because I'm not really going to talk a whole lot about the battle because it's, it's one of those that you just got to watch it. You can't really talk about it. But the cinematography and the way that it was filmed is just beautiful. Everything was done right in my opinion. I don't feel like it could have been done any different. It showed enough and also still kept with the storyline. So I may go back to it when we get to that point of the movie, but for right now, I just wanted to throw my little spiel in there. So while everybody's preparing for battle and Harry's gone to look for this other Horcrux that he knows is there, Ron and Hermione have this idea. Actually, it was Ron's idea is what Hermione says that the Basilisk Fang destroyed Tom Riddle's diary before. Well, they think that if they can make it back down to the Chamber of Secrets and get some Basilisk Fangs, that they'll have something else to destroy all these Horcrux with. Number one being the cup, the goblet that they had found in Bellatrix's vault. So Harry gives them the goblet to take with them to destroy when they find this Basilisk Fang. So they're off to do that. Then Luna, standing up for herself, Miss Boss Lady, says, Harry Potter, you need to listen to me because he's just running rampant trying to get to Ravenclaw to find this diadem, which it's lost. Like, why would it be in the Ravenclaw common room in their area? I... There was no thought process thought out in that. But she says, it's lost, so no one living knows where it is, so maybe we need to talk to somebody that's dead. We gotta love Luna. This is a Luna fan account. We stand her. We love her. She's the best. So she takes him to meet Helena Ravenclaw, which is Rowena Ravenclaw. My gosh, that's hard to say. Rowena Ravenclaw's daughter. And she actually met Tom and he kind of sweet talked her into having this diadem to use dark magic on it. So she kind of feels, I think a little bit responsible and also pretty pissed that she kind of got played and I don't blame her, but she does end up telling Harry where the diadem is and she gives him like a hint, but we all know where it is. It's in the room of requirements. So that's obviously where he's going. But in the midst of all that, Voldemort's army shown up and they're starting to try and break the barrier. It's all going crazy. Ron and Hermione do make it down to the Chamber of Secrets, though. And <laughs> Ron speaks parcel tongue to open up the Chamber of Secrets. And he's like, hey, do you know Harry talks in his sleep? So I got this. And I'm like, I don't know if that's a flex. I don't know if that's something you need to brag about. But it works for this case. They end up finding the skeletal remains of the basilisk. And they take a fang. And Hermione is actually the one that destroys this horcrux. And this big, massive tidal wave comes and just floods them. They survive. It's fine. And also, this is when the big kiss happens. The big kiss that we have been waiting eight movies for finally happens. And it's not underwhelming. It's just one of those that it's like, it's it's just cute. Like, it's just one of those you're like, oh, it's just finally happened. It's so adorable. And then they're boyfriend and girlfriend. Like, automatically. It's just how it happens. But when they destroy that horcrux harry kind of feels that the horcrux has been destroyed but voldemort really feels it and he gets really pissed and he like breaks the barrier like full-blown big o spell breaks it but also we see that the elder one is also breaking and it's failing him so problem number twenty-five hundred thousand in his plan so in the midst of all this craziness and them running around because they realize that the barrier is broken and they're about to be into the castle, Harry and Ginny kiss, 
we're going crazy we're trying to get to the room of requirement everything like that neville pops up after he has blown up this bridge and blown up a lot of the snatchers and he's like where's luna and they're like i don't know and he goes why what's wrong and he goes i'm mad for her i like her i feel like it's time that i tell her because we'll probably both be dead and i'm like terrible timing but also we love to see it Ugh, so cute just mm, love it you never see anything come of it though except for that they sit beside each other but you know we all know that they're a thing and it's cute so after all that craziness and cuteness and everything in between we finally make it to the room of requirement but harry has a shadow and it would be draco i guess he's still trying to fix what he messed up and prove that he is on voldemort's side i don't really know and i don't even think he knows that boy is so confused and you just feel for him because i think he wants to be bad because his family's bad but he doesn't because he's not that terrible of a person i don't think like i don't know boy's a conundrum but they follow him into the room of requirement one of them being Goyle, the other one being this kid that you have no idea who it is because apparently the guy that played crab got like arrested for something i don't even know what happened it was something crazy but he wasn't in the last movie and everyone's like okay cool he's not there whatever and you just you you didn't think anything of it harry does end up finding the diadem and then also draco shows up and is like hey you need to give me my wand back you know you have something that's mine and he goes eh. because i forgot to say when i said that he's using draco's now i guess it i should have said that he won it when he disarmed him that's kind of important and so anyways obviously we're pissed that i don't even know why we're pissed like draco's just trying to stir up trouble i think at this point i'll add that hermione and ron also have made it to the room of requirement because they see him on the marauders map how that thing has made it through what it's been it's been since the third movie how it's made it through all these movies i'm shocked that it hasn't gotten ripped or burned or anything like that but they make it to the room of requirements so they're all there they're all trying to defend you know their cause and then all of a sudden when ron chases after goyle because he did something to hermione i can't remember he like tried to cast a spell on her or something and he's like that's my girlfriend it's super cute it's super funny but then it's not funny because then goyle sets a fire in the roof requirement and it's honestly it burns the whole room down i'm pretty sure so they have no way to get out except for they find these brooms in the roof requirement because everything is in the roof requirement that you need because it's what you require it's it's perfect and they decide that they're gonna fly their way out of there but malfoy and his other friend are trapped on top of some sh like it's not even books it's like chairs and stuff like that that they're stuck on top of because goyle has fallen to his death and it's just like i kind of feel bad because goyle's been a part of these franchises for, since the first one and he falls to his death in a fire and that's it and i guess i don't know what more i wanted from it but i don't know if it was that i don't know but they end up getting saved harry and ron and hermione save the day and save him and malfoy and all that malfoy and his friend i mean and when they finally are out of the room requirement and all this fire is coming towards them he ends up stabbing the diadem with the basilisk fang and then they kick it into the fire and then it's this big explosion it's pretty cool so after that horcrux is destroyed 
they're kind of at a loss of what to do. And then Harry is led into Voldemort's mind again. And he finds out that the last Horcrux, or so they think, is the snake, Nagini. And so that is their next goal. They're going to go kill the snake, but they don't know where he is. And then Harry decides, actually, Ron tells him to get back into his mind and he needs to find out where he is. And that's where we see that he's in the boathouse with Lucius Malfoy. And he's just really mad. And he wants Lucius to bring Severus to him because he has a few questions for him. So that's where they head. They head down to the boathouse to number one, find the snake. Number two, find out what's going on. So we make it down to the boathouse and we see that Voldemort and Snape are talking. And Voldemort is pissed because he thinks that the Elder Wand is not loyal to him. And Snape is trying to convince him that yes it is, that he is the true master of it. But then he thinks that Snape is actually the master of it because since he killed Dumbledore, it should be his because apparently if you kill the person that owns this wand, it automatically makes you the true master. So in return, Voldemort has to kill Snape and he does. And you know, you go through all these movies and you really just don't like Snape because you just think that he's just out for Harry. He doesn't care everything like that but you also you you like Snape because you also know that he was loyal to Dumbledore to some degree and that has to count for something right and we find out some stuff and I'm about to get to it here in just a second so I don't want to give anything away but Harry tries to help Snape after he gets attacked by the snake too after Voldemort slits his throat he then gets attacked by the snake so Harry goes and tries to help him but Snape's crying and he just tells him to take his tears to keep them and to go I can't remember what it's called the the thing where you put the memories in but he tells him to go and take them there and then the last thing that he says before he dies is that you do have your mother's eyes and it's just so heartbreaking because you can just tell that he does truly feel sorry for how he treated Harry and I don't know if Harry knows how to respond to that because he doesn't He just doesn't get it, but he will. Momentarily, he will. But before we can get to him going and looking at all these memories, Voldemort makes another message, and he tells the people to, his people, sorry, not the people, his people, to retreat, to let the people at Hogwarts, you know, grieve their wound, grieve their dead, to dispose of them, actually, is what he says. And then he speaks directly to Harry and he tells him that he needs to face him in the Forbidden Forest and that none of no more of his friends should have to die because he doesn't want to come face to face with them. So after that lovely message they decide to go find everyone and this is when we see that Fred, Tonks, and Lupin are all dead. And you grieve more for Fred because he's been such a pivotal character for all of these movies but also I agree for Lupin because he was my favorite professor and even though he really didn't have a big role after the third one he was still just my favorite and I love that him and Tonks fell in love and they had a child together that wasn't talked about and it's just it's very sad and I I wish that he would have survived because now look at Harry you know 
Both of his parents are dead. Sirius is dead. Lupin was kind of all he had left as like a father type figure. Besides Mr. Weasley, I know that he's very close with Ron's parents, but still, it was just, I don't know. I think he considered Lupin a friend and a father figure. And so I don't know if people look at it that way, but I do. And so I think that's why I was more sad about him than Fred. I was sad about Fred. I don't want people jumping on my case about it, but I was just more sad about Lupin. After after that, Harry goes to look at Snape's memories. And I would just like to say, in this scene, there is a whole shit ton of information that you receive. Like, I remember when I saw it the first time, I think my mouth was just agape the whole time. Because everything that you think about Snape was completely turned around. And you realize that he was honestly better than Dumbledore had better interests than Dumbledore did because in all this you find out that Snape was in love with Lily knew Lily when she was a little kid was completely in love with her James was terrible to Snape would pick on him everything but James and Lily ended up being together you then figure out that Snape was always protecting Harry his Patronus was the one that was a doe because Lily's Patronus was a doe it's all coming together now and then Harry is the last Horcrux and the one that Dumb- or one that Voldemort never meant to make because whenever he killed Lily, the spell ricocheted and latched itself onto the only living thing in the room, which was Harry. And then Dumbledore knew everything and was waiting for the proper moment for Harry to die and because Voldemort would have to do it. Voldemort would have to be the one that would kill Harry. And Snape even calls him out on it. He's like, you have set him up as a pig for slaughter. You want him to die at the proper moment when Voldemort is at its his weakest. And to me, I know that Dumbledore is like a lot of people's favorites, but I feel like he was really shady. He knew all of this stuff and didn't tell anybody but Snape. And Snape was the one that knew that Voldemort was after the Potters. He wanted them protected. They trusted the wrong person. But he then went to Godric's Hollow after Voldemort had been there to see Lily and James both dead, held Lily in his arms and cried. And it's just, I don't know. I understood Snape a whole lot more after all of that. And that's when I kind of became a Snape fan. And how could you not, honestly? And if you're not, then that is your opinion. But I just don't know how you cannot be after that whole sequence. So, of course, after all this information that Harry has seen, he's just a little befuddled, and I don't blame him. But he's so befuddled that then he's like, oh, well, I guess it's time to go die then. So he goes to the Forbidden Forest, and of course he has this heartbreaking goodbye with Hermione and Ron, and then we find out, though, when he gets to the Forbidden Forest, that the Resurrection Stone is in the Snitch that he won in his first Quidditch match. So he opens up his snitch and there is the resurrection stone. And then, and I am a little confused on how this all works. He gets the resurrection stone out and then all of a sudden his parents show up, Sirius shows up and Lupin shows up. And so I'm guessing that he used it to bring them all back to have a talk. And he says that he wants them all to stay with him and that he's really sorry that he couldn't complete the mission basically and then he is like just stay close to me and you know 
his mom's like always and that is always gut-wrenching too because if you know you know and then we do actually you, you to me i'm wondering the whole time during this movie where hagrid is and we find out he is tied up with voldemort's goons and then it's really a very quick process voldemort's like huh harry potter the boy who lived come to die does the avada Kedavra? boom harry quote unquote dies and then he's all of a sudden in i guess his heaven or wherever and he sees a, a shriveled up version of voldemort the one that we saw in goblet of fire but he also sees dumbledore he's obviously very confused and he's sitting there talking about how he has to stay how he can't go back and and dumbledore's like why can't you go back and he's like, uh, and then we're really confused because he's like, oh, I have a choice. He does decide to go back. And that's always one thing I've been really confused about is that he goes back. And I, I don't know why. I guess it's because you don't know how he is able to come back. I, I don't know. It, movie magic, I guess. Whatever. I'm not going to dwell on it. But whenever we do go back, we see that Voldemort's on the ground and he wants someone to go check to see if Harry is actually really dead. So Narcissa, which is Draco's mom, offers up her services to go, but she goes and I guess realizes that he is alive. And then she just asks, is Draco alive? He nods his head. Yes. She then gets up and tells Voldemort that yes, he's dead. So go mom she's just worried about her kid she probably wants out of this situation as quickly as possible and i don't blame her but back at hogwarts we see that neville finds the sorting hat in all this rubble and that is important for here in just a minute so that's why i wanted to say it and then all of a sudden voldemort and his army show up and hagrid is carrying harry back to hogwarts and of course everybody's upset because they think harry's dead and then, of course, Voldemort gets his big speech about how people need to come and join him so nobody else has to die. Well, then Neville decides that he's also going to give a speech. And as he's giving this speech, and it's a very good speech, and I don't feel the need to quote it, um, Harry wakes up, he jumps out of Hagrid's arms, and Neville also pulls the Sword of Gryffindor from the Sorting Hat. So, two wins. Really great time. Voldemort's obviously pissed. <laughs> And he just starts throwing spells. And then these Death Eaters are just, they are abandoning ship. They are done. They're like, this is crazy. No, we're out. And then you see the Malfoys leave. They just kind of shuffle their way out of there. And as Voldemort is so pissed that Harry is still alive, he leaves Nagini unprotected. And then Ron and Hermione, they try to kill it. It obviously doesn't go well. They, they lose all their Basilisk fangs that they had. And then it's just getting crazy. All these Death Eaters are going crazy. They're trying to kill everybody. Well, Bellatrix tries to kill Ginny. And Mama Weasley ain't having none of it. And it's the best line in this movie. I will fight anybody that says it's not. She shows out. And she says, not my daughter, you bitch. And kills Bellatrix Lestrange. Cinematic gold. Every time. Love it. Get chills every time I watch it. Get chills talking about it right now. Because it's great. It's awesome. So in the midst of this whole craziness happening, we also have Voldemort and Harry battling it out. And they're like conjoining faces, flying through the air, all this craziness. And then they finally make it to the courtyard, I guess I would call it. And you see the same 
duel that happened in Goblet of Fire. There are wands, they connect, green, red, beautiful sparks, everything. And then you also see that Harry and or that Hermione and Ron are about to get eaten by the snake, and then all of a sudden Neville shows out with his sword, slices Nagini, she like dissipates. That gets Voldemort off his guard. All of a sudden Harry disarms him and Voldemort's dead. And he just disintegrates like a little paper. It's just how it happens. It's actually pretty gross. We find out that the Elder One actually belonged to Draco because he's the one that disarmed Dumbledore. Well, when Harry disarmed Malfoy at the Malfoy Manor back in part one, the Elder One then became Harry's. So that's why the one went work for Voldemort because it was never his wand. It was always Harry's wand. And they're like, well, what are we going to do with it? It's the most powerful one in the world. So... Harry decides that he's just going to break it in half. And ever since I've seen the meme where he breaks it and Damien from Mean Girls is like, that's all I think about when I see it. And I will never not see it that way. So after we have a lovely pan out of the three of them standing there holding hands, we then have a time jump of about 19 years. And we see everybody at King's Crossing. And it's all these kids that you have no idea who they are. Well, all of a sudden you see all these parents that you know who they are. And you see that Harry and Ginny are married. They have three kids. Hermione and Ron are married. They have two kids. Well, Hermione and Ron's oldest is going to Hogwarts. Harry and Ginny's two oldest are also going to Hogwarts. We also find out that one of Harry and Ginny's sons is named Albus Severus, which is a terrible name for your child. And I just hate it for him. And he is freaking out because it's his first year to go to Hogwarts. And he really doesn't want to be a Slytherin. He wants to be a Gryffindor. And Harry reassures him that he is named after both a Gryffindor and a Slytherin, who are both great wizards. And if he really doesn't want to be a Slytherin, that the Sorting Hat will take his his consideration, or not consideration, his opinion into consideration, sorry. And then we see them all get on the train. It's all adorable. And they watch them go off on their first year or second year for one of them of Hogwarts and it's precious you pan out and you see this happy group of people that have been through pretty terrible things in their life and they finally got their happy ending so sorry if I was kind of scattered when I was talking about all this like I said this movie was very fast paced so I was just honestly just trying to keep up and not miss anything so thanks for sticking with me throughout this craziness I really appreciate it guys As always, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I really appreciate you guys coming and listening every single week to all of these movies. This is one of my favorite film franchises, like I said before. And so it was just really fun to get to talk all these movies with you. I did say that I was going to do my ranking at the end of all of this. So I'm going to give that to you now. So as of right now, my ranking is Goblet of Fire, Half-Blood Prince, Prisoner of Azkaban, Deathly Hallows Part 1, Deathly Hallows Part 2, Order of the Phoenix, Chamber of Secrets, and Sorcerer's Stone. I love all of them, but, you know, some of them I love a little bit more. But I did want to let you guys know I am going to be taking the month of July off. I am going to try and get all of my stuff together and try and be more consistent with you guys so that we're not pushing episodes back anymore. We're going to be doing these out on time every two weeks. 
and I've got so much in store for you guys. I would love if you would go to my TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. They're all at Movie Theater Mom. And I'm going to be posting updates on what's coming up, what to look forward to, everything like that. So you definitely don't want to miss out on it. Again, I would really appreciate if you go give me a follow just as much as I appreciate you guys listening to me to listening to me ramble today. I couldn't get it last week and I can't get it this week. So until August 18th, that no, sorry, August 12th, that is when the next one is coming out. And it's going to be one of my favorite rom-coms, 27 Dresses. So that's just something to look forward to. So until then, see ya.